we turn today to our text. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This text was chosen for this first day of the new year because these two verses set forth for us two things of importance. Firstly, the great privilege of those who believe in Christ. The great privilege of those who believe in Christ. And we're going to talk about what that is. And secondly, the great purpose for which they are saved. The great purpose for which they are saved. Here in these two verses, the identity, the who you are, and the mission, the why we are here of the church is laid out for us. And it's given to us as it was to those to whom the Apostle Peter originally wrote the letter, so that we might draw strength and direction from these verses in the coming days. And we know from the very beginning of First Peter that the Apostle is writing to those who are being persecuted, suffering various trials, and he's... He's writing to encourage them. And so he offers here in the second chapter of 1 Peter this great reminder, though though persecuted, the church is privileged and is called for a, a great purpose. We're going to remember this morning. I'm going to read our verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You can follow with me. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now the phrase, but you are, alerts us to the background of our text. A great contrast is being made, is being made between you who believe, verse 7, and those who do not believe. Reading verses 7 and 8 in full, this is what it says. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the Word as they were destined to do. You see, in this passage, Peter is teaching from the words of the the prophets 
Three times he quotes from twice from Isaiah. Isaiah 8.14. Isaiah 28, verse 16, and once from the Psalms, Psalm 18, verse 22. He quotes about Christ, the cornerstone. Verse 7, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That comes from Psalm 118. Verse 22. And he quotes these texts, and as he does, he reveals here the divide between those who believe and those who reject Christ. For it is of Christ that these prophetic words were spoken and fulfilled. Jesus' prediction in Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. When he offers the parable of the man who leases his vineyard to the tenants and they kill his servants and they kill his son. That was fulfilled. It proved true. He was rejected by the religious leaders but chosen to be the cornerstone of God's people. Where you and I stand with Jesus is a matter of eternal significance. For those who are not built upon Him will trip over Him and fall to their destruction. He will be, as the Spirit says in 1 Peter 2, verse 8, a stone of stumbling. So let me ask you then, where do you stand with Jesus today? You cannot remain neutral, you see, for the honor, verse 7, is for you who believe. It is to them and them only that Peter says what he says in verses 9 and 10. It is to those who believe that Peter says, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own, a treasured possession. This is covenant language. God called Israel by all of these names under the covenant at Sinai. But now, under the new covenant, these four titles are given. They are extended by the grace of God to all who have faith in Christ, so that it is those who believe of whom these things can be said. Here in verse 9, we, we consider first the church's privilege. These four titles that are given display the goodness of God that He would bestow these names upon those who believe in His Son. The first name given, you are a chosen race. 
The number of times the Scriptures refer to the people of Israel as chosen is great indeed. But out of all of them, perhaps three are of particular significance. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. Deuteronomy 14, verse 2. And Isaiah 43, verses 20 and 21. I will read those for us. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. There is the word chosen. Chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You might notice that three of the titles in Paul's letter are here in that verse. That is the holy nation, chosen people, and a treasured possession. This verse is is repeated again seven chapters later in Deuteronomy 7 verse 2. And it's given just with minor variations, but saying the very same thing. You are a people holy to the Lord. Chosen by Him out of all the peoples to be His treasured possession. The second text that relates to this title is Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 20. The Lord says, The wild beasts will honor Me, that even the jackals and the ostriches For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. In this verse, we have here the position of the people of God. They are chosen. They are formed by God Himself. And we are given the purpose for which God did this. that they might declare My praise. That they might praise Him. And this will become significant to what Peter will go on to say to finish the thought in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. What can we conclude from this statement that you are a chosen race? From these texts that are spoken of the people of God. These texts emphasize God's free choice and initiative as the chief characteristic that sets the people of God apart from all others. It is because of Him. Because He set His love upon us. We are His people. We are chosen, first of all. Praise God for this. Deuteronomy chapter 7 continues after after verse 6, after declaring, you are My chosen people, you are a treasured possession. Verse 7 says, it was not because 
you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love upon you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to his, your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. It is because of the Lord's love, His free choice, His grace, that He both chose the nation of Israel, the seed of Abraham, and all who by faith trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Two chapters later in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 to 6, Moses gives the people of God another reminder. He says, Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of those nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you. And that He may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. Both of these passages are reminders to us that we are chosen and we are loved not because of our size or our strength or our righteousness, but because of God's free and gracious choosing. This is a reason to rejoice and to do so with, with very humble hearts. But we have no claim upon this title. We have no claim upon saying, I am, I am a chosen one. I belong to my God. We have no claim apart from, from the work of God. From His will to save. That is an amazing thing. A reminder that all glory is due to Him. For we are His people by His choosing. And what a hope to rest in. That our hope is in Him. Is in His grace. The second thing that is said about the people of God is you are a royal priesthood. The wording here comes from Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And I would invite you to turn there with me as I turn there. Exodus chapter 19. This is Israel at Mount Sinai prior to the giving of the ten words, the covenant that God gave to His people. This is what He says in verse 6, 
about them. This is what Moses was to speak to the people. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me, verse 6, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Here again we have a different set of the titles that Peter uses. And one of them is a kingdom of priests, verse 6. And this is what God says the people would be if they should obey Him. What we find in the history of the nation of Israel is that again and again, they did not obey. They did not follow the Lord their God. They did not love Him or worship Him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yet this is said of them who would obey, who would believe in the Lord their God, listen to His voice, and keep His covenant. Because of the sin of the people. Access to God was limited under the first covenant. Contrast 2 Chronicles 23 verse 6 with Ephesians 2 verse 18. 2 Chronicles 23 verse 6 says, Let no one enter the house of the Lord except the priests and ministering Levites. They may enter, for they are holy, but all the people shall keep the charge of the Lord. Ephesians 2.18 saying, Through Him, that is through Christ, we all have access in one Spirit to the Father. The new covenant hope and confidence is that access to God is given through the Son. To enter into the holy places, Hebrews 10 verse 19, by the blood of Jesus, So that an unholy people, a people who stray, might enter into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. That is the great difference between the, the word given in Exodus chapter 19, this promise on the basis of their obedience, that they would have access to God, that they could serve Him as a people who were, a, were priests. That now in Christ, all who believe are given 
this privilege. The privilege of walking in the presence of the Most High God. Of serving Him. And secondly, given a position of authority under God. For the priesthood given is called royal. That is of a kingly nature. And of the nature of this rule, little is said. But Paul declared at one point in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And again he said, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Think of that for a moment. That is not a position that is deserved any more than we deserve to enter into the presence of God. Christ, as the royal high priest, promises all of His people the honor of ruling under His authority. And so, the song is sung in Revelation 5, verse 10, You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. What an exalted, glorious thing to be said of the people of God and to be said of the Lord that He would do this. For again, this is His work. It is His choosing. It is His grace that we might enter His presence and reign with Him. A third title is given, A Holy Nation. This too comes from Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, as well as Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, and Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, of which uh, both of the Deuteronomy passages repeat this line, For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. As Israel the nation was intended to be, so we are in Christ a new ethnos, a new nation. A nation that is purified not on the basis of our righteousness, but on the basis of Christ's gift of righteousness. We could be said to be holy. So it is said in the letter written to the Hebrews in chapter 10, by a single offering he has perfected, that is Christ, for all time those who are being sanctified. Here we have a great truth. There is, there is the truth that we are now, even now, being made holy being conformed to His image. But we are already in our standing made perfect through the work of the Son. So that there is nothing 
to be added, nothing to be offered to make up the rest. He has perfected by this one offering and made whoever believes in Him holy. That is, separated and set apart unto God. Sanctified by Him. Again, we see that none of these privileges, none of these things can be spoken of us apart from Christ. Apart from His work. For none of us could say, I I am a holy person. We could not say of our gathering, we are a holy people gathered together if it were not for our holy Savior. Who has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Hebrews 10, 14. Now there is a fourth title given. That is, uh, we are a people for His own possession. God's treasured possession as the ESV renders Exodus 19, verse 5, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, and Malachi 3, verse 17. God's treasured possession is His people. And so, as we read previously in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. That is, those whom He loves so dearly that He treasures out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord values His people. He makes what some would see as the trash of the earth His treasure. He gives value to the broken and the weak. He makes the worthless worthy and gives the lowly a place of honor in His house. He does this by His own good pleasure. Because this is His delight. Because this is His joy. Out of no obligation to anyone, He blesses His people. He lavishes His love upon them. He bestows mercy where there ought be none. Where none is deserved. And the people of God can truly say they are treasured. They are well provided for, richly provided for by the grace of God. The kindness 
of our God and our Savior is extravagantly revealed in these privileges that He gives to His people. In a half an hour, we have barely scratched the surface of the things that the Lord has said of His people. He is good. And there is no time, nor is there any place for us to sit on our high horse and boast about our privilege. For we are immediately told in our text in Second Peter, or First Peter rather, chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim or announce the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are saved for a purpose. We are his people for his glory. That you may proclaim his excellencies. That is to say the perfections, the glory, the, the fame of the one who would do all of these things. The one who would take us from darkness to light. Who would rescue us from a state of sin and blindness and destruction. And bring us into the realm of goodness. Godliness, truth, and life. Here is one who is worthy of all of our thanks. And all of our praise. God tells us plainly why He saved us. Isaiah 43, verses 20 and 21. We read it earlier. I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to My chosen people, the people whom I formed for Myself, that they might declare His praise. God is building a people for Himself. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The process of God building His church in Cardston and Lethbridge in the world is for one purpose that His people would offer spiritual sacrifices to God, praising Him with our lips and honoring Him in our lives, and this only through Christ. For what could we bring to God without Christ that would be of any value? But our offerings to the Lord Our desire to serve Him from the heart is purified and is made acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
so that He desires us to praise Him. Our mission, our purpose is to tell others about the One who saved us. To speak with joy about Christ and to tell what He has done to all the world. Is this what you see of as your purpose in life? Your purpose as a member of the household of God? You see, it is not enough to say, I am, I am, or we are, and give ourselves such exalted titles. You see, a royal priesthood lives to serve God lives to proclaim God. When we have been made new, the love of Christ compels us to proclaim the glory of God. In whatever situation we find ourselves, This is our purpose. But what is our motivation to proclaim the glory of God? What is our message to the world? The Christian story is laid out for us briefly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have Received mercy. It's a simple message. And this is our motivation. It's the reason why we give God glory in all things. Not a people, now His people. No mercy, now you have been given. Mercy. These phrases, not a people and no mercy, come from the book of Hosea. When Hosea's wife, who was an unfaithful wife, when she was giving her uh, birth to their second child, a girl, the Lord told Hosea, Hosea chapter 1, verse 6, call her name Loruhamah which means no mercy. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel. And when Hosea's wife had another child, this time a son, the Lord said in verse 9 of Hosea chapter 1, Call his name not my people, Lo-Ami, for you are not my people and I am not your God. That's what the Lord said to the people who called themselves by His name at that time. Peter takes these names as as indicative of our former condition. That is, is this is how all Christians, no exceptions, once were. This is how we might be described. Apart from Christ. Every last one of us 
used to be an enemy of God. An adulterous covenant breaker like Gomer and her children. This is a humbling truth to proclaim. That none of us has any right to eternal life and peace with God. And it is a sobering reality because this is also the current state of humanity apart from faith in Christ. This is where people find themselves. But this is not the final word. God declares in Hosea chapter 2 verse 23, And I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. And Peter writes, now you are God's people. Now you have received mercy. Praise God. The marvel of the gospel is that God declares his intent. To save the undeserving. And then he goes out and he does this. Throughout all generations. Even the most wicked of generations. He bestows mercy on those who deserve no mercy. He makes those who are not a people. Into his own cherished possession. So that this day, if you would repent of your sin and turn from them to God, confessing Jesus as Lord and believing that your salvation rests upon his work alone. That He died on the cross for your sins and has been raised to life. That this is our story. This is the honor given to you who believe. The people of God are saved. For his glory. The Christian believes in Christ, is privileged in Christ, and speaks of Christ. When we think of the implications of the message of these two short verses. I want to consider two. First, this means that we have no cause for boasting in anything except to boldly boast of Jesus Christ. It is, again, it is His grace that any of us should know such privilege as to be called His own. But secondly, 
we have every reason to praise God any and everywhere. And we have no excuse not to, knowing the goodness of God. We were chosen to declare His praises. It is all about Him. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, Through Him then, that is through Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. First and foremost, in light of Christ and in His strength, We are to praise Him. Acknowledge Him. Verse 16 goes on and says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you by the mercies of God that you would not neglect to remember and rejoice in the gospel this year. That you would so rejoice in the mercy of God that you would always seek opportunities to tell others about Him. That every morning you will wake up and as you live your life, you will ask yourself, how can I declare His praises today? Think of how marvelous He is. That you would remember every morning how good God has been to you. That He would call you an undeserving sinner and make you His treasured possession. And that you would seek wherever you are and whatever you do to bring glory to God and to acknowledge Him. That we who are His people will live for His glory no matter the cost and rejoice in His mercy. Amen.